On tonight, we want to share with you from a very special lesson. On this past Sunday, which was Father's Day, we spoke to you from Luke chapter 15 concerning the story of the young man who was lost and was found. We talked about his father. And the message Sunday was entitled, He Will Never Give Up on Us. On tonight, we want to go a little further and take a look at that parable. The lesson tonight is simply entitled, The Parable of the Prodigal Son. The Parable of the Prodigal Son. There are so many powerful Verses and texts are in the Bible. But I will submit to you that this story that is found in St. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through verse 32, perhaps is one of the most. It has been said by many scholars that this is the most profound parable of them all. It is, without a doubt, one of the most popular parables of all of the parables that Jesus shared. And so tonight, the Lord has asked me, instructed me to look at this parable uh, and to examine it in its entirety. I I think one of the things I'm reminded of, uh, and Pastor Mac, you would appreciate this as I'm so proud of you. You very soon would have your doctrine in theology in, in ministry at CIU is that when I was a student there, one of my professors, Dr. Larkin, who's now gone to be with the Lord, he said to us as seminarians, don't ever back up from consistently preaching the same text over and over and over again. He says some texts ought to consistently be in the ears of people every year and several times a year. That blessed me in such a powerful way because I've tried every year to at least preach one message from this powerful parable. And so tonight, I want to teach from it. I want to share from it. I want to invite you to read with us. I'm going to do something that I don't always do, but I want to read the entire parable tonight. And then we are going to highlight three key words that represents the essence of this parable. Just remember, Luke 15 is the lost and found chapter. It was the lost sheep that was found. It was the lost coin that was found and lost and found in the house. And then we get to this third parable, which is so powerful. I'm reading from the New Living translation tonight. If you got your Bibles, you got your phones, your iPads, whatever you read the Bibles on, I want you to go with me. We have also put it on the screens that are above. Listen to the reading of God's holy word. Verse 11 says this, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. He said, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth 
between his sons. Verse 13, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved, listen to these words, to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wow living. About the time his money ran out, listen, a great famine swept over the land and he began, the young man began to starve. Verse 15, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the food he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17 says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Verse 20, so this young man returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. Speaking of the father, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fatting. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost but now he is found. And the end of verse 24 says, so the party began, but the parable doesn't end there. Verse 25, meanwhile, listen to this, the oldest son was in the fields working when he returned home. He heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of his servants, what was going on. Verse 27, you, your brother, the servant said, is back and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. <laughs> Look at this. This whole parable can take a month to teach. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Return. The older brother was angry and would not go in the house. His father came out and begged him, 
But he replied in verse 29 to his father, all these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, look at the tone, notice the tone. Yet when this son of yours, he didn't say my brother. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me <laughs> and everything I have is yours. In other words, all of this is yours. Note what the text says. Everything I have is yours. The oldest son inherited everything. The youngest son got a party. Don't lose focus, the father is saying to him. In verse 32, we had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. What a powerful text. I had to read it in its entirety so that you can understand it in its fullest context. If you were to ask me to form a word cloud, give me three words that summarizes this text and this parable, perhaps more so than any other words, I would give you these three words. And these are the three words that we are going to deal with and talk about tonight. Rejection, repentance, and restoration. The entire 21 verses of this parable can be summarized in these three words. Rejection, repentance, and restoration. Let us look at each one of these words separately. Let us take a look at what they mean and their significance and the significance of this parable for us tonight on this Tuesday night. The first word is rejection. We're talking about the sun when we talk about rejection. Number one, the, the first point A in this outline says the son rejected his father's plan for his life. The parable begins by the son rejecting his father's plan for his life. The father had a plan for him. This young man demanded his inheritance before it was time for him to get it. Rejection. He wanted his independence before he was ready for it. Please listen to me. Particularly 
to any young man that's under the sound of my voice or young person. It is important that you understand that God has a plan for your life. This plan does not revolve around your timing or your desires. This young man, unfortunately, rejected the father's plan. He thought, as perhaps many young people think, and I did once in my life, uh, that I know more than the person who had mentored me all my life. There are times in our life that we think that we are so smart and we think that we have all the answers that we forget that some of life's most valuable lessons are not learned in classrooms or textbooks. It's learned by walking the pathways of life. This young man felt perhaps his father was holding him back. He felt as if he could go out and he could make a name for himself. What he demanded was not even his. He said, give me my inheritance. Give me one translation, say, what is mine right now? His father had earned that. His father had prepared something for him. And I will tell you at the end of this parable, you would see that there are consequences for your rejection. And although God blessed him in a powerful way, he still paid a heavy price for his rejection of his father's plan. He wanted his independence. He thought, I can, I can be on my own. I'm, I'm man enough. I, I, I don't need my daddy. I don't need my father. I, I don't need anything. I can go out here and do my own thing. The second key to rejection is this. He rejected his homeland. Okay. A was he rejected his father's plan for his life. B, he rejected his homeland. Verse 13 of the text says that he packed all his belongings and moved, and here are the words that I told you to highlight, to a distant land. He wanted to get as far away from his father and his family as he could. He rejected the heritage of his homeland. I need my money and I'm on my way. And he thought he could make it. The New King James says he journeyed to a far country. He journeyed to a far country. Number one, he rejected, A, he rejected his father's plan for his life. B, he rejected his homeland. And C, and look at this, he rejected his faith. He rejected his faith. What does it say that, Pastor Jackson, in the text? I'll show you something. Verse 13 says, he wasted his money on wild living. That was not his faith. His father did not raise him to believe that you live a King James called a righteous life or a wild life. The Message Bible perhaps put it as good or as well as you can get it. The Message 
Bible says that he lived an undisciplined life. An undisciplined life is a wild life. And I want to speak to every brother under the sound of my voice in this June men's month that you've got to understand that God expects us to live a disciplined life. Discipline means you refuse to do everything you feel good doing. Some things are good to you, but bad for you. This young man had no discipline. He lived an undisciplined life. That's what the message Bible says. He, and so this undiscipline means he rejected his faith. He rejected his faith by wasting his money on wild living. And then perhaps what, what symbolizes to us more than anything else that he rejected his faith is look at this. He took a job feeding pigs. Something that most Jewish young men would consider to be repugnant. Their faith tells them they have no association. They don't eat pigs. They, they, don't, they don't raise pigs. They, uh, they have no association with them. He felt so far and so hard that he ended up in a place contrary to his faith. Why? Because his money ran out. And what he thought would last forever. The problem is this. When you don't earn anything, you don't know how to make anything last. Because you get it too easy. And you have no discipline on it. You don't know the effort that goes into getting it. So he wasted it with his friends on parting and wild living and found himself doing something that would be repugnant to any Jewish young man of his age in his community. He rejected his faith. That's the word that stands out first to me. It's called rejection. The second key word in this text that I would submit to you uh, that is important is the word repentance. The word repentance. And you would find this in verses 17 to verse 20, the A clause of verse 20. But let me read to you a few key uh, highlights under repentance. Remember, first key word is rejection. Second key word is repentance. Repentance begins by coming to a true realization of your situation. There can be no repentance if you fake it. Repentance is realizing how bad off you really are. It begins with that. It begins with a true realization that I am in a mess, that I have ruined my life, that I have made a horrible mistake. I have made a fool out of myself. Repentance begins with the realization. Verse 17 of the text says this, the New Living Translation says, and he finally came to his senses. 
The NIV, the King James says, and he came to himself. That's the beginning of repentance. I'll say to anyone that you can fake a whole lot of things to a whole lot of people. But until you realize how bad off you really are, until you realize that I need help, Lord. Until you realize, as David did in Psalms 51, Lord, against you and you only have I done this sin. God, it's me creating me a clean heart and renewing me a right spirit. David never would have been a man of God if he would have blamed Bathsheba for his sin. We must come to the realization that situations we find ourselves in oftentimes are caused by our own indiscretions, our own bad decisions. B, B in this A is repentance began by coming to a true realization of your situation. B is this, repentance is really, listen to this, is really about what we do and not just how we feel or what we say. Now that is so important because I know people says confess with your mouth. That's confession. Repentance is a little different. And you're going to see that later in, in the text. Repentance really is what we do and not just how we feel. The A clause in verse 20 says, and he returned home to his father and he returned home to his father I submit to you if he had never returned home even coming to the realization that he had messed up in the pig pen his repentance would not have been completed so repentance is getting yourself out of the pig pen brushing yourself off and going back to where you left and get it right. That is what repentance is all about. It is doing and not feeling. It is doing and not just saying. And then the third thing I've outlined it as the C clause in this second. Remember, this is the second word. Second word is repentance. First word was rejection. And we said to you that repentance begins by coming to a true realization of our situation. Repentance is really about what we do and not just how we feel. But here's the, here's the C clause. Here's the third thing. Repentance is sealed with a genuine, please remember this word, with a genuine confession. Not a fake confession, not a public disclosure so others can see you, a genuine confession. Verse 21, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Here's the confession. Father, it is sealed. Repentance is more than confession but is sealed by a confession. Father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. 
and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. That is a confession. Father, I, I take full responsibility. I, I, it wasn't your fault. It wasn't my brother's fault. It was my fault. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, Lord. I did it. No one made me do it. I did it on my own. Uh, I messed up. How many times have we gotten to the point where we can say, God, I messed up. God, here I am, Lord. I've got all kind of issues. I can't make it unless you help me. Father, I have sinned against you. I stretch my hand to thee. No other help I know. I need you, Lord. I need you in my life right now. That is what repentance is about. It is sealed. It begins with a recognition of your situation. And it is sealed with a confession. A true and genuine confession. If you're not willing to do that, perhaps that's why Paul writes in Romans, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you shall be saved. He's talking about a true, genuine confession that comes from the heart. And here is the third and the final word. Remember, the word cloud consists of three words. First word was rejection. The second word was repentance. And here's the final one. Here's the third and the final word in this powerful, profound, amazing parable. It's called restoration. It is called restoration. Rejection, repentance, restoration. It doesn't happen in the reverse. There is no restoration before repentance. Restoration comes. You say, well, uh, the father met the son and before the, the father, the son had already repented. He had already come to the realization of it. And the father restored him. But look at this. Look at this. Three different things that we want to highlight in this. Three things that we want to highlight in this. Very, very simple. So the son goes back and he's on his way back home. Straight from the pig pen. <laughs> Smelling like pigs, humiliated, embarrassed, broke, ego deflated, walking down the street. Use your spiritual imagination. We, and you can imagine him walking slowly towards his father's house, perhaps with his head hung down, perhaps dragging his feet. Spirit had been crushed, embarrassed. On the way, perhaps he passed servants who smell better than him, look better than him, or dress better than him. But look at the father. The text says, and the father saw him a long way off and loved him and had compassion for him and kissed him. The father saw him a long way off. I preached from this text a couple of years ago. Again, I preached that message a long ways off. 
His father saw him coming a long way off. (laughs) In order to see somebody coming a long way off, you've got to look for them. And you've got to recognize who they are, even in a deplorable state that this young man was in. The text doesn't tell us how long he stayed. We don't know. It's a parable. We don't know if it were months or years. Doesn't say. But if we assume that it was long enough for him to blow through a lot of money and humiliate himself, it had to have been a while. But the father still knew his son. (laughs) He recognized the walk. (laughs) He saw him a long way off ran to his son and as his son was beginning his confession the father had began to restore him three things that stands out in his father's restoration of his son these three key things number one the robe and the shoes restored the young man to a position of sonship and honor. You would have to understand the first century culture there. Uh, not to have on shoes is a servant's position. <laughs> That's why in the upper room, nobody wanted to wash each other's feet because that was the lowest of all positions. But to have on your shoes, and he gave him a robe. In fact, he said, Go in the house and get the finest robe. Not just any piece of garment. Go get the finest robe. So somebody said this. I, I, I heard somebody surmise this as they were dealing with this text once. They says, now use your imagination. His house, father's house, the finest robe in the house perhaps belonged to who? The father. So he went and gave his son his finest robe. My son, take my garments, take my finest outfit and put it on you. Put shoes on your feet. You are now, you are still my son and I'm restoring you to a place of honor. Then the second thing the father did that stands out in this text is that he put a ring on his finger This is so powerful. This is so powerful. He put a ring on his finger. Mac, I can hear Dr. Larkin now in his little voice and his little glasses walking around that classroom and going, do you understand the significance of a ring? (laughs) The ring on his finger. Because here's what the text says. And I read a commentary that says, just, just, putting the robe and the shoes on him would have restored him to a certain degree. It would have said, you're still my son and I honor you. But the father went a step further. He says, I'm going to do something that I don't have to do. I am going to put a ring on your finger which restores you to a position of authority. 
And that means you're not just the wayward son, the prodigal son that's come back home and you're sleeping in the barn. You're not just the son and you're somewhere working out in the fields just to earn my trust again. You know how we are. You've got to earn my respect again. The father immediately restored the son's authority. With that ring, this boy could walk around anywhere on the estate. And every servant had to be submissive to him. Why? Because he had his authority. Uh, the closest thing to that is what Jesus said to Peter as he was telling Peter, Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And the keys of heaven I'll give to keys to the kingdom I'll give to you. And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. In other words, you have the authority. Keys give you authority. Ring gives you an authority. It says you are royalty again. <laughs> That's what the father did. Restored his authority. And then here is the last one. As we prepare to end this message, as we prepare to end this teaching tonight, here is the third and the final one. He gave him a celebration. Now, I wrestled with that one. I must commit. I, I must confess. I wrestled with that one. I, I got the shoes and I got the robe. <laughs> ah. But I had to wrestle with what was the celebration about as we prepare for this altar experience. And then God gave it to me. I must confess, I, did, I didn't hear Dr. Larkin say this, or Dr. Harbord, or anybody else. I prayed to God and said, God, just give me a revelation. I know, I just trust you. What do you think it's about? So you take this as just what God shared for me, I, I'm, I'm nobody. I don't have a PhD in theology, okay? I'm just a country preacher that, that, that pleads for the anointing every time I get up to preach. But here's what God says the celebration does. The celebration restored him to his position within the community. And I said, now I got it, God. Now I know why you had to throw a party. Because you had to let everybody in the community, Bubba and Pushane and all the boys and Sister Gail and Alderman and Haki and Shaki and all of them had to know this is still my boy. <laughs> and I'm restoring him back to the community. So he threw a party. What better way to get the community's attention than a free party bill? Amen. Just throw a party. Next Tuesday night, we go in the parking lot and get us a sound truck and get some free stuff to pass out and say, y'all come. We want to give some. I guarantee you folk will leave their house and they will come and they will be a part of it. The father knew that if I throw a party, the community will know you're back. You're back. Ooh. Restoration has finally come. Hmm. God has restored him. Ooh. God had blessed us. Ooh. 
I want to say something to all of us as we prepare right now. Wherever you are, it really doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how deep you were in it. What matters is that your father has seen you a long way off. <laughs> and he wants to restore you. <laughs> he wants to put shoes on your feet and a robe on your back and a ring on your finger. And then he will validate you to the community by having a party on your behalf. Ooh. The question is, do you want to be restored? Listen, there's a number on the screen right now. I need you to pick up the phone and call because we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Ooh. But the question is, do we want to be restored? There's a familiar song that the Winans wrote a long time ago. It's simply called Restoration. Restore to me the joy. This is my prayer today, Lord. <laughs> Restore to me the joy. Restoration has finally come. Ooh, come on. This is, I want us to celebrate this. This is, this is a little upbeat, but I wanted this because I want you to know that we're throwing a party on your behalf right now. Let the party begin. Let the party begin. Yeah, come on, yeah. Clap your hands wherever you are. Walk around your house wherever you are, the yard. Come on, yeah, yeah. Restore me. Thank you, brothers. Yeah, yeah. Restore to me the joy. Never lost place. Ah. What would I know about his mercy if I hadn't gotten out of grace? Oh, restoration. Restoration finally, finally come. Been restored. Been restored back to my place in Oh, restoration. Restoration finally, finally come. Been restored. Been restored back to my place in God. Listen, it kind of reminds me prodigal son after his riotous living all the evil he had done yet when he returned father received him home gave him a ring of gold put him on a roll killed the fatted calf gave him something he never ever had restoration restoration has finally, has finally come, come.
sing about it. And I'm going to shout about it. I'm shout about it. Make me sing in here. Thank you, brothers. <laughs> Thank you. I wish y'all were here. Y'all that are virtually, we we about to have some church up in here right now. Come on, one more time, Bill, and tell him I'm glad. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm so glad about it. And I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. And I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. And I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. Right now, wherever you are, maybe you've rejected God. I'm here to tell you, if you are willing to repent, there will be restoration. <laughs> but restoration can only come at the genuine confession, which is a part of sincere repentance. Remember, repentance starts with the realization of your situation. It starts with you realizing where you are and how you got there. Ah, you don't have to stay in the shape that you're in. God wants you back. He's waiting on you to come back. The parable of the prodigal son. Read it this week again. <laughs> Read it. Go through it again. And remember these three words. Rejection repentance and restoration remember the restoration he put shoes on his feet a robe on his back a ring on his finger and then threw a party for his son <laughs> just to tell the whole world he's back God says I'll validate you among your harshest critics Close those eyes wherever you are right now. Pick up the phone and call. Someone is waiting to pray with you. Eternal Father, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you for this awesome parable. We thank you for the lesson of the prodigal son. Thank you for reminding us even when we have rejected you. If we are willing to repent. If we are willing to come to our senses. You will totally restore us. You will give us our joy back. <laughs> you will give us the authority that we had as your son. And we say thank you. God, we pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. No one is too far gone. No one is beyond reach. And so you've got to understand wherever you are, whatever you're going through right now, God sees you a long way off and he is meeting you down the road with restoration already in his mind. We thank you, we praise you, we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody that loves the Lord said amen, amen, 
Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Let me remind all the brothers again on Thursday, we're going to have a special call in. I just want to talk to you. I'll answer any of your questions. Nothing that former, just a conversation with Pastor Jackson and the men. Sorry, ladies. Uh, we have to take you up on another night. Uh, but this is just for men only. We just want to talk. We just want to have a heart to heart. And then Sunday is a special day, a special men's day message. And the message is entitled God's kind of man to every brother that wants to be a God kind of man. Tune in Sunday to every lady, every woman, every girl that's looking for a God kind of man. Tune in Sunday. We're going to share that with you. God bless you. Now may the grace of God, the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide with us now, tomorrow, and forevermore. And everybody love the Lord. Said, amen. Come on, brothers, and take us out uh, right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm glad about it. 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 I'm glad about it. And I'm glad about it. I'm so glad about it. I'm glad about it. everyone for tuning in to our live broadcast. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-1238. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account, or via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you feel as if this sermon was a blessing to you, please be sure to share with your family and friends. For additional announcements and for more information, be sure to visit our website at bwcar.org.